Kiwi Scanners, Key Rats. Welcome to another episode of Kiwi Scan Stories, where neighbors meet neighbors. Today we have Oscar Sardinas. He's the founder and president of the Kiwi Scan Children and, Educa- and Education Foundation. We're here to learn all about the foundation and what they do. Remember, if you like the show, please subscribe to our channels in YouTube and Instagram. It'll be awesome. Oscar, how are you? How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Alejandro. Uh, I'm doing very well. Uh, thank you. I, as I was mentioning before offline, I'm coming off a great week, had an opportunity to, to visit a school in uh, Little Haiti uh, called Hibiscus Elementary. Um, the foundation was very fortunate to have the opportunity to donate a few things that, that allowed them to uh, create a carnival that was a children's appreciation day. So off the heels of the teacher appreciation week, which is Miami-Dade County Public School all around, um, this principal felt that it was uh, a good idea to have an appreciation day for the kids. And so she created a carnival. Uh, the foundation was lucky enough to be able to uh, donate a few machines, one of them being a snow cone machine, a pecan uh, candy machine, and a popcorn machine. And I served about 250 snow cones. And it was um, it was so uplifting, I, honestly. I, and I mentioned to you offline, I'm going to go out on the limb here. I am a little bit of a crier. And so for me, it was having to wear my sunglasses the whole time because I had these, these wonderful little kids full of life, um, you know, coming up to us and, and hugging us and thanking us and just being so grateful for the little that we were able to do. And it was an entire day of dance. They had a DJ there that had uh, graduated from that elementary school many years prior who had given up his time to be there. Um, you had about 450 kids um, and they were just dancing, having a great time. They had games. Uh, like I said, they had cotton candy, the popcorn, um, and it was an incredibly uplifting experience. And it's amazing, you know, these administrators and these teachers that, that give their life up for these kids and, and they work so hard and such a labor of love. I think I mentioned it to you before, even when I just arrived, I was coming from the parking lot to the school and they were uh, completing the morning announcements and the words of gratitude, of kindness, of motivation. Uh, letting these kids know that they are loved and appreciated and each one of them is unique um, and that they can basically do anything they could put their little minds to was such an amazing way to start my day. It was, it was fantastic. And I am still reeling from it. And this was four days ago and I, I've been walking on, on, a cl- on clouds ever since. Um, and I'm just very humbled that we were able to, to help out. And I realized that there's so much more that we can do and it just, it takes very little. Um, and so, yeah, long answer to a short question, but I'm doing great. Thank you very much. How are you doing today? Doing good. You're doing yeah. good. It's always good uh, when we have opportunities to serve like that. So I'm glad that you were able to have that opportunity. Yeah, thank you. So let's dive right in. The right. Children and Education Foundation. What so, is the foundation? So this is a 501c3. Um, I have to admit, it, it wasn't necessarily my brainchild. It was actually a model I saw. Uh, in a different school. Um, in the early years of my daughter's life, we lived on Miami Beach and she attended uh, North Beach Elementary where they have a uh, 501c3 that works in unison with the PTA to raise funds for the school. And they created an after-school enrichment program. And we, we kind of emulated that. And what that is, is it's a series of curriculum and classes, uh, vocational style classes where children can learn um, skills. Um, anywhere from cheerleading uh, to coding to dance uh, to languages, um, Italian, French, German, you name it. 
uh, we can pretty much um, create any kind of curriculum around that. Um, and the idea is, is threefold. Number one is uh, to give these kids uh, to augment their daily curriculums um, through the Miami-Dade County Public School System in a safe place, which is at their own location in their school. Um, and then to allow them to pick and choose different vocational sets of skills that they can kind of jump into and learn. And these are taught uh, generally by teachers from that same school. So the first part being for the kids, the second part um, really being for the teachers to allow them the opportunity to continue working uh, in a safe environment in their same school and earn ancillary income above and beyond what they currently make in their profession. And I think we'll all agree that you know, teachers are incredibly important uh, and involved in the very most formidable years of any child's life. And so many would probably argue and agree that they just don't get paid what they're worth and the value that they bring. And so we saw it as an opportunity to, to help them. And, and some of these teachers can make uh, almost as much as they do an entire day working for the school system in just a couple of hours with the foundation. And then third, of course, is to give uh, parents a bit of reprieve um, as opposed to daycare, which is just you know, a bunch of kids in a room just getting babysat. They're, they know that their children are learning something new, a new skill um, that might turn into something uh, extraordinary in their lives um, during their formidable years and, and allow them to, to, to establish these skill sets uh, through, a, through a period of after-school enrichment program. And, and the programming is interesting because we really can put together just about any kind of curriculum. Um, I think I mentioned it to you once before that while we were building our first curriculum, you know, we, we had parents asking us, hey, would you be willing to do uh, cheerleading, for example? And that was something that I was not on my radar. I had never seen cheerleading on this game before. And uh, ironically enough, during our proof of concept first semester, it was the first class that sold out. Um, and, and selfishly for me, uh, to walk out and see this curriculum and watch these five and six-year-olds with their pom-poms and learning and just laughing and smiling. It's the cutest thing ever. I mean, I would challenge anybody to go out there and, and watch it without a giant smile from ear to ear. And so we we created this, this 501c3 um, to focus on a curriculum, um, to execute it after school hours. Generally, the idea was between the hours of 2 p.m. when the young kids get out of school to 5 p.m., giving parents a full day of their kids being taken care of in a safe place. Um, and then the idea then is that we partner with our instructors and it's a paid service. Uh, the revenue that we collect, um, we partner with our instructors. So a good percentage of that goes to pay the instructors. There's a very small overhead because uh, myself, along with my two uh, fellow board members, um, we're volunteers, we make nothing from this. And then we have some staff and, and that staff is, um, Supports the, uh, supports the students and the instructors, making sure that the kids uh, can have a water break, make sure they have time for snacks, uh, take them from one class to the other, make sure that they're in a safe environment. And then everything that's left over, uh, the idea is then to donate it to the local school um, with the premise and the, the uh, goal of funding what we call a paraprofessional program. And what that is, is effectively uh, funding staffing so that we can staff every classroom with an assistant teacher. And so the impact there is incredible because today and day, your average classroom size is about 22 to 23 students per teacher. And so in a world where 
these teachers are tasked not only to get to know their students, um, find out who they are, most importantly, find out the methods in which they learn the best because we're all different. We all learn very differently. There is no cookie cutter education system that works for everybody. And so you not only have to learn the kid, the kid's names, where they come from, uh, be a supportive person, a person that they can look up to and admire and listen to, but then find how they learn and then effectively tweak your curriculum uh, that is very cookie cutter in, in, in a way that reaches every child. And what we found happens is that the top producing kids get a lot of attention. Uh, the lower producing kids get some attention, but generally the kids kind of in the middle road don't get a lot of that attention. And so what you have is a very, it's a very difficult task for these teachers. Now, you now add a second teacher to that classroom and you're cutting the ratio now in half, where you could potentially now have a teacher with 11 students. And so that creates the opportunity to really take a little bit more time, be a little bit more present, work a little bit better with each child. And, and the saying that we use a lot is making sure that no child is left behind um, and ensuring that we create a good baseline and that we always strive to, to exceed that baseline. Um, and so that's kind of the plan. That was the original motive and original plan. Now, if you talk about personal motives for me, um, you know, I've, I've, I've always had an incredible love for people or, or faith in people. Um, I think we are, we can do extraordinary things when given the opportunity. Um, and, and in a world where, you know, there are a lot of bad things going on, I, I, I fully believe that at the core, the majority of us are good and we really want to be a part of something special. Number two, I have two daughters, uh, a nine and a six-year-old. And if you were to ask me, Alex, Alejandro, what I would, what I ever wanted to be growing up, it's always been um, the absolute best dad I could be. And a lot of that comes from the, from what my parents uh, did for me and the incredible example they were. And here I am with an opportunity to be a great model for my kids, a role model. And really the message being that any one person can make a difference. Um, but obviously we're always better together, right? And so luckily I had the, very fortunate opportunity to partner with two incredibly extraordinary people um, that have given back to their own communities and their own right and now live here on Key Biscayne. Uh, one of them being um, Yvette Chaustre Fernandez, which is my vice president and my right hand, um, and Pierre Diagostini, which um, is a gentleman who I met very serendipitously. It was at a moment that I had just moved back to the island. Uh, I jumped into a committee. I was voted into a committee called the Educational Excellence Advisory Committee. I was voted in by parents at the community school, K-8, community school K-8 center. And um, one day we were, we were chatting in one of the meetings and I noticed that this new parent that was part of the committee was asking a lot of very poignant questions about the budget, about where the money is going, how are we supporting these kids, asking questions about their development, and I was intrigued. And so fast forward, I asked him if he would like to have coffee with me after. Um, and we sat down at Artisan, and we had a nice long conversation. And incredibly serendipitously, and, and you can't make this up, um, as I'm telling him about my dream of creating this 501c3 dedicated to after school enrichments to donate money into this paraprofessional program, 
you know, he starts looking at me with a strange face. And I, as a direct guy that I am, I ask him, you know, what's going on here? Did I say something funny? And, and he says, you know, Oscar, you're telling me about this model and uh, I don't know how to say this. Um, I almost feel like this is a joke or something, but have you heard of North Beach Elementary? And I said, yeah, absolutely. This is where I saw the model. He's like, well, I was one of the four, uh, forefathers of that, that board. I was one of the first people on that board and helped to create that model. Furthermore, I went on to help create a very similar model in uh, South Beach. Um, South Beach, uh, I think it's called South Point Elementary School. And I thought at first I was very skeptical, even though I'm a very trusting person and immediately asked him for a selfie. And he laughed and said, are you checking on me? And I said, yeah. And I sent the selfie to the, at that time, president of Friends of North Beach, which is the 501c3 in North Beach. And she responded saying to me, you know, Oscar, and all in this year and a half that you and I have been engaging, because I've been looking to her for guidance, this is the gentleman that I've been wanting for you to meet all of this time. He would be an incredible advocate if you can convince him, because he has done this before um, and he has worked a lot. But if you can convince him to give just a little bit more, then I would grab him, make him part of your team and go for it. And, uh, and, and Pierre looked at me and he said, I would be more than happy to help. Um, I have the IP. And furthermore, I see a very passionate person in you. And I would be honored to, to join. Uh, very shortly thereafter, I approached my very good friend, Yvette, whom has worked as an interventionist and speech uh, therapist for children for, I would say, I'll probably get this wrong, but over 15 years and worked in the school. is very well known in the community. And I came to her with this idea and she looked at, I think what was the convincing factor for her was the fact that I now had somebody that had some credibility, somebody that had done this before, because at the end of the day, what did I know about this other than my passion to do it? And she jumped in full force and she has been my right hand since day one. Um, and we've been incredibly successful, um, you know, to go a little bit into the timeline. We launched a proof of concept, uh, I believe it was March of 2020. Um, we received close to 360 registrations in about a week's time, raising almost $40,000 in revenue. And this was even before we got started, before anyone even knew who we were. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, because there's silver linings in every story, um, the pandemic came right in that moment. And Miami-Dade County Public Schools, whom I already, who I already had a partnership with, canceled all partnerships and disallowed any outside organizations to work in school uh, because of COVID. And we were stuck in a really tough place. We had done all this work. We were ready to go. We had money from all these parents. Uh, we were ready to launch. And now we couldn't. And so we had, here was a very big crossroad where we could choose to quit. And nobody would have blamed us. We could have returned every dollar to every parent. Um, we immediately sent a mass email to all the parents saying, while our policy is very strict on, on refunds, we generally give credits to be used for more enrichment in the future. We said, um, given the circumstances, we would like to offer this money back uh, to the parents. And Alejandro, 15% or less of those parents requested that refund. Everybody else basically said, no, Oscar, we believe in the foundation. We believe in your team. 
you're going to find a way, keep our money, because we don't want to lose out on classes that you're going, that we know you're going to come back with. Because during our proof of concept, our classes were selling out. There were many people left out on waiting lists, not being able to come into the foundation. And so we took that on as a huge motivator to just think outside the box. And so we started looking at our curriculum. Uh, we started thinking, you know, this is COVID. Parents want their kids outside because they're stuck indoors all day, now doing learning at home. Um, they need their kids to exercise, expend energy, uh, to be worn out, and to have an opportunity to engage with each other. And we said, what is that? Where does that work the most? It's outside. We saw the green, we looked at it. Uh, Yvette had a very good uh, relationship with the Parks and Rec director, uh, Todd. Uh, we called him and we said, hey, man, um, you know, this program we've been telling you about, uh, we were thinking about doing outside. What is that going to take? And he said, well, what are the hours? And he said two to five. Well, at five, it's tough because at four o'clock, the Kibis Game Soccer Club has most of the field, but we could do two to four. And it's, uh, it's a small marginal permit fee. And we said, we're all in. We went back to the parents and we said, look, we're reducing the curriculum because there were a lot of classes in the curriculum that require um, um, classrooms for, you know, speech, uh, for math, for, for things like languages. And so we, we minimized the, the curriculum to be mostly sports, but we did have chess. We had uh, tutoring. Uh, we had art all in the pavilion in the green. And then the rest was outside and we had soccer and flag football and cheerleading and dance and ballet and gymnastics and parkour and circus school which is uh aerial acrobatics i mean we had it all and we launched it and you know the remainder of the 85 percent of the people that had signed up all found somebody else something else in the classes that they liked and, and we launched and fast forward that semester which was a nine-week semester and the following nine-week semester just from those two semesters we were able to donate seventeen thousand dollars to the school um and then following that, we increased our semester to an 18 week. And I'm estimating that we'll be able to now, we've been operating two short semesters of nine weeks, one 18 week semester. And I'm hoping we'll be able to donate another 20 plus thousand to the school. And it's been, um, it's been an incredibly fulfilling outside of giving teachers ancillary work, outside of finding something fun for these kids to do, outside of giving parents the opportunity to go back to regular work hours that their children are well taken care of to a certain time of the day for 4 p.m. plus outside of giving local parents job opportunities that don't necessarily work or whatnot and something very fulfilling to them it has been an incredibly fulfilling thing just to go I mean and, and I invite you Alejandro or anybody to go out on any given day during school year and just watch these kids and how much they're having what a great time they're having um, and it's been incredibly fulfilling. And so, I, again, another long answer to a short question, but that in a nutshell is the foundation and, and what we want to continue to do. And, and we have huge plans. Um, I mean, this could be huge and it doesn't have to be just, as a matter of fact, part of the proceeds that we make, we reserve 10% of those funds with the idea of creating uh, scholarship programs to offer the same after school curriculum to schools 
in lower income communities, like for instance, Hibiscus Elementary, where we can now, you can have now a group of 30 kids taking coding classes that kids from our island are also taking. And we send the teachers there and, and that's really the idea. And hopefully to take this model and copy paste it in other schools that could probably use a little help. Um, you know, I, when I think about the idea of cutting the ratio in half uh, for students and kids, that opens up an entire new world for what kids are going to be, for setting them up for success with really, and no child being left behind. Uh, so, yeah. T tell me about the teacher assistants, the assistant teachers. How, okay. I know that after the pandemic, you know, there's been a, a slow rollout of the opening of the schools and allowing other yes. stuff like libraries and other services slowly are coming back. Yeah. And since one of your one of your goals is to get assistant teachers back into the school, how where are you in that? So at the moment, um, we're still operating at the field. I am okay. in the last phase of reestablishing the foundation's partnership agreement with Miami Dade County Public Schools. Got it. Once that happens, uh, I'm handed a contract. The administration of the schools handed the same contract. We look through it. Uh, we make sure it's mutually beneficial for everybody and the administration will have the last say of whether or not they allow the foundation to operate within the school grounds. Because the teachers are from the foundation, the assistant teachers. Well, so our instructors currently, we, we have hired maybe two or three teachers that are actual teachers in the school. Um, okay. The idea is to, because we want to remain local, we always want to give teachers from the K through eight first right of refusal or first opportunity to then work for the foundation after hours. Okay. So they work till 3 p.m., but we can operate till 5 or even 6 p.m. So the idea is you're an English teacher by day at the elementary school. Uh, the day ends at three. Now you walk over to another classroom and now you're an employee of the or a partner or a uh, independent contractor of the foundation. And now you're teaching uh, reading, uh, to, to give an example, or art, or chess, or whatever it is your aptitude or skill is. Um, the idea then is with the revenues that we get from this paid service, we collect this money, then go back to the school and say, administration, this principal, we have, let's call it $50,000 we'd like to donate to you. This is totally up to the principal on where mm. she wants to use those funds. But what we're hopeful for is that we come together as a partnership to agree that we feel that a good way to spend this would be in additional staffing Got it. so that we can put assistant teachers in each classroom. And one of our biggest fans and proponents was uh, Sylvia Tarafa in her time with K-8 when we did our proof of concept. She actually took it a step further. And when I gave, when we talked to her about the idea, she pulled aside a a resource she had to help her build a business model that would define exactly how much money it would take to fund a full paraprofessional program, which translates into having an assistant teacher at minimum per grade for every grade from kindergarten to fifth grade. And with the ideal aspiration of being able to fund a single assistant teacher for every classroom from kindergarten to fifth grade. And if you look at education, the most formidable leaders are really pre-K to third. 
That's when children develop their ability or their formation of how they're going to learn, how they're going to disseminate information and move on. Plus, they build their confidence level, which will stay with them for the rest of their lives. And so if you're now with one teacher and there's only 11 of you and you have that kind of presence from the teacher and that kind of engagement, your confidence is going to grow exponentially over a child that is fighting with 21 other children for the attention of a teacher. If that makes any sense. No, it does. It does. And I like it because it's all funded via the after school programs that parents pay for. Yeah, this is a paid uh, uh, program. And, and, and in pricing, we, we tried to remain very fair and affordable. We actually used the pricing structure as a model that they use at the Biscayne Community Center um, to kind of see what parents are used to paying for certain services. And we tried to keep it just as low or just underneath. And funny enough, another interesting story is when we first came aboard, our first thought was, let's talk to the community leaders to make sure that we're not stepping on someone's toes. We wanted to be a supplement, not take anyone on. And so one of the concerns was the programming at the community center today. And so when we approached uh, the village about that and we said, look, guys, we're planning to do this enrichment program from two to five. Um, but we were conscious that you also have curriculums that might match or overlap with ours. And we wanted to make sure you're okay with that. And, and the resounding response, which is very, I didn't even think of it this way, was, uh, Oscar, let me get this straight. So between the hours of two and five today, we have about 250 kids that come swarming into this building that have no particular programming set up for them that basically destroy this place. They go nuts. <laughs> and we don't have the resources to keep them all in check and make sure that they're engaged. Mm. Um, and what you're telling me is you're going to create a program where potentially those 250 kids are not going to come in here at that time. And that they're going to be well engaged in really nice built out curriculums. And then they're going to come here. Plus our program at the community center doesn't really start until 5 PM. So what you're saying is they're going to come from yours to then ours. So we're not really going to lose any revenue for the community center or anything like that. But what we are going to do is be able to use that time to maybe maintain the community center and maybe get a little bit less wear and tear. Because we all know at this point that a community center that many years ago was very highly contested has now become a place that's too small, mm. right? And so they welcomed it. And they said, more power to you, buddy. What, what can we do to help? And so I learned a lot throughout this process because in my mind, when I first started not knowing, my single focus was curriculum for the kids. The derivatives that came out of it, which was ancillary income for teachers, uh, reprieve for the parents, uh, uh, money for the school, um, and then reprieve for the community center in the village, those were all things that I found throughout the process in our, our chief learnings, our, our, our best practice learnings. And so we realized, man, this is, there is a demand for this. And then on top of that, our proof of concept, we had almost 340 or 360, whatever I said, registrations which told me right away, man, there is a demand for what we're doing. So we got to, we, we can't step away from this any longer. We got to go forward. And it's been incredibly successful. Tell me about summer. I know you have a, a vast combination of summer camp options coming so up, yes. right? That's exciting. Yes, yes, it, it is. Um, and truth be told, it's been a little bit more of a challenge than we, we, we anticipated. Okay. There are Two. a lot of, there are a lot of summer options on Key Biscayne, number one. Number two, I'm finding from a lot of parents that have been loyal to us for a very long time, 
who have reached back out to me to say, Oscar, we, we definitely want to use your programming. The problem is we haven't traveled in two years. Mm. We want to get the heck out of here and we're going to be gone all summer. And I can't tell you, if I were to say 30% or 40% of the parents that are with us today have told me that it'd probably be too little. And so while yes, at the moment we, we, we do have a summer program. What I love about it is that it's a different theme every week. Um, it, it runs from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, it, it's, it's fairly priced, in my opinion, as well. Also using the different models on Key Biscayne as models. It's going to be running out of the Calusa, uh, uh, Calusa Park. But we've also partnered with people like Minds of Tomorrow, which does the coding and robotics. So we walk the kids over there. Um, we've partnered with the village to use the, the village green as well for parts, for like using the little splash, uh, the little splash water splash area and the, and the jungle gyms. Um, and it runs for seven weeks, but you can sign up for one week, two weeks, five weeks, or all seven weeks. It's completely up to you. Um, the registration is open right now. We actually just put an ad in the island newspaper offering, you know, just to give back to the community a little bit further. We offered a 15% coupon uh, for anybody that uses it. And registration is going to remain open through to the 6th or 7th of June. And I believe the programming starts sometime in fifth, on the 15th or 18th of June. Okay. Now, if, if obviously, if we don't get enough registrations, we may have to scrap the program. But, you know, we're still very hopeful that a lot of people on the key tend to wait till the last minute. And so, I was you know, we're, say, yeah, yeah it, it, we're known for it. Um, it's actually been something that's been a, a challenge for our, our current administration at the elementary school where enrollment tends to drop and people don't enroll until the last moment. And that, that has a budgetary uh, effect on how much budget the, the school gets. But we're, we're still hopeful and, and, and we think the parents are going to, some parents are going to come back with us. And the other thing is to get the word out, right? We, we don't, we, we try to minimize our expenditures uh, so that we can maximize the amount of donations. And so we use really grassroots types of things. We did put it out in the Islander newspaper. We have a great relationship with them. They've been great covering our, our foundation. Um, and then we use our Instagram page. We use our website. I think I had shared with you a link where I'm happy for you to share that with your audience as well. Um, but yeah, it's a great program. And then the idea there is the revenues from the summer camp we were, we were planning on using to help fund or subsidize uh, summer intervention programs, which are focused on reading and math literacy for children who have fallen behind in what we would call arguably the toughest time in our history to be a student because mm. you're forced to learn online and that's not easy. Um, and so what we found is that children across the board, across the region have really fallen behind in reading and math. And so what we'd like to do is have a couple hours at the community center every day, Monday through Thursday, actually throughout the summer where parents can bring their kids and get reading and math tutoring to get them back to a baseline so that they can start the next school year back at a really positive place. And so uh, that is really our goal. And, and the reason we're going to subsidize is because some kids need it more than others. And so when you look at seven weeks of intervention, it could get very costly. And so what we've allowed, what we've told our parents is anybody who registers for summer camp will subsidize, let's say a percentage, maybe half of it. For those who are not registered, we can subsidize up to 20% of it. And that'll be our donation to help pay for the teachers that are going to be running the courses. Okay. Sounds cool. Yeah. Thanks. Sounds good. I like I it. I think so. <laughs> so I know that we're, we are running out of time, but I wanted yeah. to, we need to get to know you a little bit as well. So Oscar, what brought you to the key? How was, how's that story? So I, I was born in Boston from Cuban Bolivian parents. I moved down to Miami, uh, South Miami when I was uh, six, five, five years old. I lived there till I was about 13. 
And I was introduced to Key Biscayne over two glorious summers that I was invited by neighbors uh, where we live that spend the summers here. And after those two summers, I went home saying, telling my parents, hey, man, guys, you have no idea what I, where, where I just came from. And so my father, always being a very good listener and always wanting to give for his kids, uh, ends up purchasing as a surprise a investment property on Key Biscayne that we would use just for the summers. Mind you, we were five, right? I'm the oldest of three men. And he got a two-bedroom apartment, and, and he has pre-prefaced it by saying, look, guys, this is just for the summer, and then we're going back home, and we're renting it, and every summer we could spend here. We said, okay, great. Uh, we spend the first summer here. Glorious summer. Had more freedom than we've ever had in our lives. My parents had a valet parker at that time because I was literally, we lived in a lanai on the first floor. You could drive the car right up there. So they'd come home, park the car. I'd come out and then park the car for them. So they were loving it. And uh, at the end of that first summer, my parents said, oh, guys, you know, they, they really, they knew what they were doing. They fell in love with this place even more than we did. And they said, boys, you know, we could go back home and, uh, and live in our big house with all your friends and each have your own room and your space, et cetera, et cetera. And the three, me and my brothers were just looking at them like, or what's the other option? And the other option is we stay here, but we're staying in this two bedroom and you guys got to share a room and it's pretty tight. And, uh, and yeah, you got to start a new school. You can no longer go to Belen because Belen was so far for us. You're going to have to go to a public school now. And I, it's like, I didn't hear any of that. All I heard was we're staying and, uh, and we stayed. And if, if you ask me, Alejandro, I truly believe it changed the trajectory of my life. We have, uh, we have forks in our roads our entire lives. And this was a big one. And um, the, the amount of gratitude that I have for this island is there's no way to measure. It. Um, and funny, that word gratitude, I didn't really learn what that really meant until I had my first child. But it always comes back to where my life brought me. And one of the places is right here in Cuba Spain. And now I have these two beautiful daughters and I, everything I do uh, that I've given, been given the opportunity to do, because this isn't just, um, it does take a village and it takes opportunities and it takes, uh, you know, timing and it takes all of these things to fall into place. And this is why, this is exactly why I know that I'm doing exactly what I should be doing. Um, my single biggest motivation is, is gratitude and what this island has done for me. It's the reason why I've done it foundation, why I've jumped into education, why, and maybe this will be something we talk about in the future, why I, I throw myself into, into government, and, and into serving. Um, I mean, this is just a wonderful place and I, and I have a lot of beautiful things. And I think one of the questions you ask so many times to your guests is what's your favorite, what's your perfect weekend? I was about to say. Yeah. Uh, sorry to steal your thunder. There, no, no, no. For me, the perfect weekend is waking up in the morning um, and engaging with people like yourself, like we did the day that we had coffee. I, I walk around this island. I take my kids to the far, farmer's market. We have our acai bowl. We walk across the street and we watch soccer on a bench while we have our acai bowl. And they catch me up on their week. I make my kids talk to me a lot. We talk a lot. We're chatterboxes. Um, we get on our bike. I'm maybe me on ice skateboard, although the last couple of times I've, I've eaten it pretty bad. And so I'm trying to get away from the skateboard. I'm not 12 years old anymore. Um, we go to the beach club. We spend time with our friends at the yacht club. We're outside all day. And our, like we live in a condo. We don't have a backyard. Or I should say, we have the best backyard. And so we are condo dwellers. Uh, my wife, my daughter's always saying, you know, Bobby, I've never lived in a house, but I like where we live. And by the way, my backyard is this beautiful island. And so they're learning gratitude. They're learning things to be grateful for. And, and, and my best weekend is just spending time with my, my friends, my family, and meeting new people every chance I get. 
which actually was the best part of running for office was getting the opportunity to do that. Um, it brought me to you in a certain way, Alejandro. And I think that, that even though you and I spent about a year missing each other, we finally, man, timing just got us. And we were able to connect. And, and, and by the way, I wanted to take just a really brief moment. I know we're running out of time, but I, I wanted to thank you because you mentioned something off camera about paying it forward. And, and you personify that. Uh, you're serving, you're doing your own thing, you're working, you're living here, you're giving me the opportunity to speak. And for some of you that don't know Alejandro, I hear that he's at the farmer's market every Saturday. Right. Uh, his face is unmistakable. So head out there and, and just tap him on the shoulder and he'll be happy to talk to you because that's, that's how him and I uh, got together. Thank you for what you're doing and thank you for giving me the opportunity for, for, coming, for coming here and talking a little bit about this passion project that we call the Key Biscayne Children and Education Foundation. And if anyone is interested, you can find us on our website, on Instagram, reach out to me. The emails come directly to me. I respond within hours, if not minutes. Um, I would love to hear from you. And I'm so open for any ideas of any other kind of curriculum that anyone out there would like to try. I'm willing to jump into it and, and see what the demand is and put it out there and, and use those funds to get back to school. So Awesome. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, Oscar, thank you for your kind words. It's always great to be able to get these stories out and uh, have neighbors meet neighbors. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I like it. So thank you. Thank awesome. you for jumping on the show and telling yeah. us all about the foundation. We look forward to engaging it again in the future. Thank you, Alejandro. Have a great day. Uh, it's beautiful out there. So get out there as soon as you can. Will do. All right. Take care.